You are listening to the Family Business Podcast, the podcast aimed at delivering insights to help your family business thrive. I'm your host, Russ Hayworth, and each week I'll be bringing you interviews from family businesses and their advisors from all over the world. So without further ado, let's get on with the show. Welcome to this week's episode of the Family Business Podcast. I am joined today to talk about um, succession planning by Rochelle Clark. So Rochelle, firstly, welcome to the show and thank you for joining us. Thank you so much for having me, Russ. If we could kick off with you giving our audience a bit of background about what you're doing now. Um, I know you've got a a book out, which we'll come on to discuss later, um, uh, but a little bit about that and, and um, yeah, what it is you, you're doing. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, Russ. Um, by way of introduction, I am Rochelle Clark, and I'm the founder of Succession Strength. And just uh, to get a little bit of an understanding about my background, I've worked for a number of years in strategy and business continuity for firms of all sizes, both as a consultant. I did this in my consulting days uh, many, many moons ago, and in-house. Mm-hmm. Um, succession strength. Um, for me, it's definitely an area of pride or pride project. And this is because succession strength was born out of personal tragedy. Okay. Um, a family member of mine owned a thriving family business and was grooming his daughter to succeed him. But unfortunately he passed away before her preparation was complete. Wow. And That essentially left no strong leaders to take over the business. Mm. So as you can imagine, after the initial chaos that ensued in in our attempt to sort his affairs out and those of the business, the business took a major hit and we ended up losing the vast majority of our customers and it really significantly impacted the the lives of the business members or the Mm. family members, I should say. And This is what really made me take a step back because I really had to wonder how it was that a business could do everything so right in terms of having an executable succession plan in place, but still succumb to a succession vulnerability. Yeah. You know, and after seeing the impact of this, I decided to dedicate my efforts to helping family businesses prepare for and successfully transition from one generation to the next. And this is how Succession Strength was born. Um, We're a company, and I would say that together with Dr. Donna Witten, who is an organizational psychologist with a number of decades worth of experience, she and I combine our experience and expertise to help family-owned businesses thrive in this area by focusing on communication and preparation. Brilliant. And and we cover that a... um later on in the, in the show I'm just intrigued by um, the, the story you mentioned and, and uh, I mean that family had the foresight to at least start with succession planning obviously it was um, tragically cut short due to, to those circumstances but mm-hmm. we often come across firms who who aren't even at that place where they can start talking about um, succession. Uh, yes. Again, we, um, I know of firms who have had that same tragic event happen, but had absolutely no idea what to do. There had been no planning, um, and so it, the easy answer to, to this question is as soon as possible. But when should these conversations start, and, and 
how should they start? Who should start them? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's 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 really a good con. It's a good question that you ask, Russ. Um, indeed, it starts with the conversation. Absolutely, and the 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 thing is that the benefit of having a personal family relationship is that the number of opportunities to have the conversation is significantly more than in the non-family relationship. Mm-hmm. Right, because you just have naturally more points of interaction. Yeah. And additionally, I would say it's a conversation that doesn't need that much planning realistically. It can actually start very casually at the dinner table, for example, and develop from there. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I would be remiss if I didn't make mention of the season that we're in. It's the season of togetherness. Yeah. When families tend to get together, if it's in the U.S., it was for Thanksgiving. Now we have Christmas coming up mm-hmm. and other events where families naturally come together. And it is at these events that both the togetherness and the legacy may be on the minds of the older generation. So this tends to be a very good time to initiate a conversation around succession. Yeah, it, it can be tricky. I know the, the circumstances mean that you have the opportunity, but, yes. but f- from, say, uh, a family member talking to somebody, to another family member about their, their mortality, um, yes. that can be tricky, can't it? Because it's, let's take the example of kids and parents. Yes. Firstly, kids don't necessarily want to address that, and parents don't necessarily want to be reminded of their mortality, particularly if they've got an entrepreneurial mindset. The, the, yes. the entrepreneurial mindset tends to um, manifest a, an immortality almost into in some uh, approaches to things. Mm-hmm. And so it's, it's really, um, like, you can't just walk in and go like, hi dad, I, I, you're going to die one day. What, what do we do about it? it it's, kind of, <laughs> it's, it's easy for us to say on here, but, but uh, <laughs> is it just simply saying, look, what plan yeah, we reframe the conversation? Absolutely, we reframe the conversation, Russ. Um, you you bring up an absolutely good point, and this is one of the barriers that prevents this conversation from happening earlier on. Um, it's the fact that um, the the older generation is faced with their mortality, and and the um, the children the children of the existing owners tend to not want to broach a subject like that because without the correct tact and empathy, things can go very wrong very quickly. So what we advise is that this conversation should be taken with the approach of securing the peace of mind of everyone involved, Mm -hmm. right? So you turn the conversation around. So it's about legacy. It's about the long term. It's about how we continue this business, how do we have this business continue going on into the future? How is it that we maintain the goodness that we have here, the goodness that was built by the owners or perhaps their parents? How do we ensure that we are good shepherds of this business to take it to that next level? And this is actually the lens with which we advise folks take the conversation. Mm -hmm. So it's more of a positive bend to it. Um, and it's very much future thinking, but um, in in a tactful way and an empathic way. Yeah, and uh, from from my own experience in terms of, of working with family firms, in even when the the idea of succession planning is is raised and there's a conversation about it and there's an agreement to do something about it, some businesses then think having a meeting about it, it it's then done. 
and we'd like tick that off the off the list. Move on, with, get on with the day to day business now. Um, yes. But again, in, do you experience that where you know it needs an awful lot of care and attention, and it it takes a, a long time to do it right absolutely absolutely which is why as you were saying it's the conversation that needs to start early because after the conversation comes the actual work Mm -hmm. so we say have the conversation early so that everyone knows where they stand and so that there is that mutual agreement if both parties indeed are in agreement with what the plan is going forward if one party is not in agreement then Perhaps the owner needs to find an additional successor or more work needs to be done to get the right parties at the table. Mm. But once that's done, the work begins, (laughs) not ends. And in terms of the work beginning, that means ensuring that a succession plan is in place for this successor. Mm -hmm. And this ensures that he or she is able to assume these responsibilities of taking over the business. And this may take some time. That person may need to get formal training, formal education. In most cases, it's advisable that they spend actual time in the business learning the ropes of the business, Mm. perhaps not only in one department, but in multiple departments. So it's a plan with a very long tail. So you communicate about it. You put a plan in place um, to ensure that the necessary expertise is gained. And then once that plan is in place, you actually have to execute on that plan. So, Absolutely. And that, that's that often the trickiest bit, isn't it? Right. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and in terms of the, the conversations that we're suggesting happen mm-hmm. to, to prompt the um, action into to some succession planning, who do you typically suggest is, is party to those conversations? Is it... Uh, simply down to family owners? Is it all family members? Is it uh, expanded to senior management teams? Who do you think should be included? When it comes to the succession, ultimately, if if the business is of the size and of the um, complexity, or I should say the maturity, where there is a management team in place, then this is something that definitely needs to be addressed mm-hmm. within the management team yeah. but it also should be an open it should be a conversation that's opened up to other key stakeholders within the family who may have an opinion mm-hmm. because what you what we all need to realize is that in some instances the persons who are running the business may not be aware of the fact that their potential successors looking on may be very, very much interested in joining the business, but may feel reluctant because they don't have a seat at the table. Yeah, okay. You see, so this is the opportunity for the existing owner to broaden up the sphere of the conversation and ensure that it's an open dialogue between or among the key stakeholders within the business Mm. so that it gives that opportunity for otherwise unheard voices to be heard at the table. Yeah, and it's going to be something they're thinking about anyway. Even if, even if um, maybe the uh, incumbent owner or the, the senior generation doesn't want to talk about it, it's still going to be something that everybody's thinking about. Absolutely, absolutely. And and one thing that I have to say is that when it comes to succession conversations, there is no precedent that says it needs to be initiated by the existing owner. Mm-hmm. 
There is no precedent that says this conversation needs to be initiated by X or Y or Z person. I think as long as the intention is there and the common understanding is there, that the goal is to secure the operations of this business into the future, then the onus is on any key stakeholder at any time to raise their hand or raise that flag to say, hey, why don't we have a conversation about the succession or what are the plans for the longevity of the business to ensure that we all have that peace of mind? Yeah. And that can also break down some of the barriers because if it is, uh, if you're approaching it from a, a child parent um, perspective and you think well, this is difficult to, to raise, if you put your own business owner's hat on or potential business owner's hat on, it, it's the responsible thing to do to start looking at continuity, it, even if it's not immediate that that, that succession plan um, is going to be effective from the, the conversations are essential. Exactly. Absolutely. Fantastic. And um, we, we talked about, um, you, you're saying about expectations. How do you ensure that expectations are managed throughout these discussions? Because it could be that, you know, a 30 something will be going, right, now's my time. And <laughs> people are generally living longer um, anyway. And mm -hmm. so it could be, uh, I mean, here in the UK, we've got um, the Queen is at I think 93, something like yeah, that. Yeah, she's in her early 90s, yes. Yeah, you've got <laughs> Prince Charles at 70, and he, he you know, sat there tapping his fingers on the desk. It's <laughs> my time going to come. And, and that's, that's going to be repeated throughout family businesses as people live longer anyway. Yes. How do we get those expectations to, to match up? Yeah, but rest, the thing is, as with, yes, within the family business, but definitely in life, Flexibility is key. Mm. The name of the game is flexibility. There is absolutely no guarantee that the things that things are going to develop exactly in the way that one person has the vision. Right? But hold but if that person holds fast to their particular position, it may be detrimental to the succession efforts altogether. Right. So some give and take is needed when it comes to expectations. And again, it becomes less about the individual person and what they have in mind and more about the business and the fact that we are shepherds of the business. Uh -huh. You know, so as long as we keep in mind that we need to be a little bit flexible, that goes a long way in terms of managing the expectations because then it really lowers the bar. Yeah, and I, I think as well that a lot of the conversations around succession talk about preparing the next gen for how they step into those um, often big shoes of, of the previous generation. But there seems to be less of a focus around how to prepare the senior generation for what they're stepping yeah. into. So in, in the example of the royal family, what would the queen do? I mean, she's got a busy life that she's had for her entire life. That is her purpose. Mm -hmm. That's her role. You know, yes. to all of a sudden say to her, "Sorry, we'll we'll woo you out at Christmas to to do the speech." And other than that, you're, you you know, your time's your own. It's a it's a difficult thing to, to go through. Yes, it's it's difficult, and in some cases, a little bit unfair to expect or to to expect that a person who has had such a major influence on the business would essentially 
um, turn that off completely the day after they they cede the the position to their uh -huh. successor. So it's a really good question, but we need to recognize and be empathetic about the fact that this is also a major life change for members of that senior generation who might have worked for a very long time in the business. Okay. And it takes quite a bit of empathy and understanding because their needs and desires also need to be discussed and considered. Because as you mentioned, is it that they plan to leave the business? Do they have a plan in place for when they leave the business? Maybe they want to continue on to be involved. And is there a way to keep them involved in the business's operation, but in a diminished capacity, mm -hmm. where they still feel as though their voice is being heard and their purpose continues? So those are considerations that need to be had. And we are big proponents of communication and of having conversations like these earlier, sooner rather than later. Mm -hmm. And you, we've spoken a lot about communication. Yes. And um, some uh, commentators or some research on, on uh, family business um, life suggests that a lot of the communication or conversation can happen around the kitchen table rather than the boardroom table, which yes. should be something that is on the board agenda. Is it something where that forum is more supportive to the conversation because it's in more of a business setting? You mean having a conversation in the boardroom as opposed to at the, around the kitchen table? Yeah, so ha having it as a responsibility of the board to look at continuity planning as, as um, would be a function of the business. But, yes. but rather than the family, say, taking that then back to family discussions of um, succession around the, the kitchen table, to, to give it some more formality and more structure, uh -huh. to have uh -huh. that part of, say, board meetings or management meetings, however the sort of governance structure works. Mm -hmm. I think it's, it's much, it's easier, definitely, and perhaps um, more relaxed to start the conversation wherever it needs to start. Uh -huh. And we don't, we don't necessarily, necessarily say you can only start the conversation if you are a member of the family and, and, and sitting around the kitchen table. No, absolutely not. I think the more barriers we put up really don't do the service that's needed for the succession conversation. Okay. So in our view, let it start wherever it will start. Uh -huh. But ultimately, when it comes down to it, the continuation of that conversation needs to be formalized. So it could be that, let's say, the, the, the son or the daughter approaches a parent at the kitchen table or in the kitchen. That's where the conversation starts. Uh -huh. But when it actually comes down to the, the nitty-gritty, as they say, and the formalization of the plan, that conversation then needs to migrate or should migrate into the confines of the business where they can be had with, with an eye on the business's operations. Sure. Um, so yeah, absolutely no restrictions on what, where it starts. Just we're just excited just that it starts. <laughs> yeah, and that's the most important point to get across, isn't it? Is it's, it doesn't necessarily yeah. matter where. It's just as soon as the conversation starts happening, that's a positive, uh, exactly. and it, it gives the, the family something to um, build around. Exactly, exactly right. And the formalization can come um, within the confines of the business, but. Where it starts, we, 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 we don't say any that's right or wrong. <laughs> Fantastic. Um, mentioned at the um, top of the show that you have written a book. Um, the book is called The Five Critical Succession Conversations. 
Um, I'd like to spend a little time talking about that, if that's okay. Sure. Um, fantastic. So tell us a little bit about the, the book. Obviously, the, the motivation behind it, I'm guessing, is um, what, what you said at the outset. Um, what are the five critical conversations? Absolutely. So for us, the five critical succession conversations is a comprehensive guide for the family business because it helps the family business owners and their successors communicate successfully by mastering what we consider to be the five conversations that are difficult, but absolutely necessary for a smooth succession transition. Mm -hmm. And this book is about mastering the critical but difficult conversations that could be made even more difficult because of the family dynamic. Yeah. And um, for us, those five critical conversations are around and I'll, I'll explain these a little bit later, but around the foundation, the owner's decision, the successor's decision, performance management, and the exit. Okay. And what are these all about? Well, first of all, the foundation conversation is that initial conversation where the current owner and likely successor discuss their intentions and desires. So this is the, are we a match conversation? And it opens the door to any further um, succession planning and, and or discussions that may be had. Now, after this initial conversation, when the owner and the likely successor discuss their intentions and desires, the owner comes away and he or she at some point in time needs to give what his or her decision is. And that's the second conversation, the owner's decision. Because in confirming one person for the role, if there were multiple potential successors, that owner may at the same time be telling the other successors that they did not get the role. Mm -hmm. You see, so it does take some tact when that decision is communicated or in communicating that decision. Now, the third conversation for us is the successor's decision. Likely in this conversation, the successor explicitly states their decision to enter into the transition or not. And this is actually one of the conversations that tends to be overlooked quite a bit mm -hmm. um, because the owner comes in and says, okay, daughter, um, I would like you to take over the business. Yeah. But we've seen many, many situations where the successor doesn't explicitly give a yes. Yeah. <laughs> and it's almost out of obligation that they feel the need to assume this role even though they may have deep within, within themselves huge reservations about taking the role. Perhaps they have other desires that they would prefer to pursue. And this is the opportunity for them to either confirm the fact that they are 100% in or perhaps, you know, not. <laughs> yeah. Because otherwise, if, if, if that doesn't happen then you mm -hmm. can end up with people who are in roles that either aren't suited to it or don't really want it. And yes. obviously that affects personal, um, mental well-being. It affects performance. It affects the performance of the business. Yep. So it is far better to have those conversations at outset than Absolutely. To, to suffer the consequences further down the, the line. Absolutely. And there can be far-reaching consequences because when you remember, if it is that we have a reluctant successor, then perhaps when, when the going gets tough, as they say, 
that person just may not have the motivation to see the business through. Yeah. And that can be unfair to all of the other stakeholders. So this is the this third conversation is the opportunity for that successor to say, yes, I will take the role or no, I will not take the role. Now, for us, the fourth conversation is the performance management conversation. And in everyone's minds, yes, performance management is about how, how am I doing on the job or how is yeah. Bob doing on the job. But for us, this is an ongoing performance. And this, for us, this looks at performance management, not only after the transition, but also before and during the transition. Okay. And, it, and it addresses issues like accountability for sure. So if you have a family member who is not pulling his or her weight, then we definitely go into how it is that you can address a situation like that. Mm -hmm. But we also touch on topics like discussing work-life balance because, you know, in some situations we have seen that the business ends up taking over the lives completely of the family members and they're absolutely miserable, but unsure as to how they should approach it. Mm -hmm. So we, we talk about um, situations like that. We also talk about bringing new ideas and innovations to the table. As you can imagine, when it comes to the conversation of, let's say, the, the older generation or the existing owners taking on new innovations or new ideas, sometimes this can be tricky. Mm. You know, and this can be tricky because as an owner, yes, you are the custodian of the business. And perhaps things are going very well. So perhaps you're in a position where you don't necessarily want to upset the boat. Agreed, yeah. But, and also from a successor's perspective, there can often be um, a self-imposed pressure to think, right, this is, I'm the captain of the ship now. I need to make <laughs> my own decisions. I need to change something just yes. because I'm now in charge. Whereas... The reality is that might not actually need to be the case at all. Absolutely right. Absolutely right. And this is one of the things that this is another one of the conversations that we do address. Just the need to charge in and start changing things when perhaps, A, they're not necessary. B, it could be that you're changing the, the very DNA of the business, which may not be necessary. And we also talk about the impact that that could have on the previous owner. Yeah. of the business you know as well as their stakeholders who may still be working within the business and it's a, it's a situation where you need to be very very careful because yes you may have existing employees who might have been very very loyal to the previous owner who if the new successor is not careful can pose a very um uncomfortable um position of resistance when it comes to actually putting these new ideas into place. So we definitely talk about how it is that we can manage the expectations of all stakeholders when it comes to making changes. Yeah. And I guess as well, there's somewhere in that conversation where you perhaps cover off the idea of the successor coming in the first job being to completely fire the um, <laughs> current owner. <laughs> 
Yes, but uh, we don't exactly put it that way, Russ. We don't say it's 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 completely firing them, but but as you mentioned, it, it's about figuring out what the next step is for the existing owner and and figuring out the best way for them to transition out if this is something that that they're desirous of doing, uh-huh. but in a way that doesn't disrupt the existing business. Sure, because it's it's always important for for there to be a united front when it comes to the owner and their successor. And this is this is for the benefit of the successor, so that you know, in the eyes of everyone in the company and other external stakeholders, he is seen to be, you know, in a position of good standing when it comes to taking over the business. Mm-hmm. And that sometimes is very, very important for his or her credibility. Yeah. You know, so we want to ensure that it's it's a seamless transition um, in as positive a light as possible. Uh huh. Yeah, I, I think that's a, a very sensible approach. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and the, I believe that the fifth conversation that we have is around the exit. Uh-huh. And I know that listeners may be thinking, the exit, what does that have to do with succession? Isn't that completely not what succession is all about? Yes, absolutely. But for us, in the event that the owner or other key stakeholders decide that it is in the best interest to exit the business altogether, this conversation needs to be had with a great deal of tact and Uh empathy. Because this is a situation where things can go very, very wrong very quickly, and you may end up not only not no longer having the business, but also completely ruining relationships in the process. Uh Yeah. So yeah. those are the five conversations that we touch. Um, and for us in our work, we found that a number of key conversations are either missing or overlooked uh, or given too little attention in the succession process. But failure in these areas definitely can result in misalignment of objectives and unnecessary stress within the process and within the organization that can ultimately result in the collapse of the business. So the reason for us, this was the reason that we produced this book as a guide to help family-owned businesses anticipate and master these areas. Uh And when we talk about succession in in that um, context, are we talking about both ownership and management succession? Because in in certain respects, the performance management element is linked to the the management succession, i.e. the role you're stepping into, rather than necessarily just taking on ownership of um, the business. But um, again, the the conversations are as important on either side. Yes. Responsibilities and and what it all means. Absolutely. And we address them from both angles, both as the owner taking over as well as um, the manager Mm -hmm. taking over. Okay, because again, managing the um, dynamic between an owner who is stepping away from a management role and there's a management succession for um, the next generation that doesn't involve ownership (laughs) provides a different dynamic to somebody who's coming in to take over as an owner. Yes. I think it's important to to make sure that that is separated so that um, firstly, the successor knows what succession means if that makes sense so mm-hmm. does, does this mean i'm now an an owner if i wasn't an owner before or does it mean i'm now um, an owner and it's somebody else non-family has been brought in to take on a, a management succession um, what does that look like because um, again that, that can add some interesting dynamics into the mix 
Yeah, and there there's so many iterations of of the succession yeah. um, as we know it that that indeed it's 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 a, it can be a very murky area to try to navigate. Mm-hmm. Um, we've seen situations where there's one owner, but that owner may have multiple children. Mm-hmm. Who who are all of age and and willing and ready to take over the business, that can be very tricky at times. So, the the potential um, permutations of of what the succession could look like can definitely give one the opportunity to pause and really ensure that that they're going in with all of their faculties really functioning because it can be tricky. Yeah. And I think taking an example further in in terms of multiple um, children or multiple next generation, shall we say, there there can be circumstances where, um, I don't know, uh, two two out of the three children uh, want to work in a business, another one just wants to own the business. (laughs) It starts to, again, add these complexities in that can all be solved it's not not to suggest they can't be solved and, and resolved but mm-hmm. what we're, we're trying to get across in the in the episode today is that the sooner those conversations start the better um, yes and and there is a distinct difference between um fairness and equality like yes just splitting the business three ways in that example or four ways if there's, there's four <laughs> is equal but not necessarily fair if two are working within the business right exactly <laughs> and again these um the foundation stage of of your five critical conversations would would cover that yes it it does because Ultimately, it gives the the owner or the key decision maker the tools that are necessary to make a decision or to make a call. You know, it could be that the person he had in mind as the likely successor has decided to that that's absolutely not the path that he or she would like their lives to go down. Mm-hmm. You know, but as opposed to continuing along with this assumption and putting plans in place with that assumption. Decisions could be made based on clarity and reality. Okay. And ultimately, that is what we are seeking, complete clarity so that the right decisions can be made for the business. Mm. Uh, And I think as well that there needs to be, this is probably an obvious statement, but a huge amount of honesty at that stage as to who wants to do what. Because in that scenario you mentioned about, about the... Uh, I think it was a fictional story where the daughter was chosen as the successor and congratulations, here you go. And then all of a sudden it's like, uh, <laughs> it's not actually what I want to do. I want to go off and do something completely different. It, yes. It's not open and honest about that. And bear in mind, it is your family with, with which you're <laughs> talking. Um, the problems further down the line can be um, huge, both for, for that individual and for the business. I mean, um, we've, we've got an episode coming up in, in a few weeks' time, I think, for, uh, that's talking about uh, things like addiction and um, mm-hmm. sort of mental health issues within family businesses because of these situations that can mm-hmm. be created. Um, so at every opportunity, we should be discussing um, how to avoid those. Absolutely, because you're absolutely right, Russ. When it comes to suppressed emotions like this, um, 
they ultimately, I think at the end of the day, do end up coming out in some way. Mm. And the way that they're manifest manifested are not, couldn't potentially be to the detriment of the business or to the detriment of folks working in the business or in the family. And it's not usually the most healthy or advisable scenario or situation for anyone to be in. Mm -hmm. Um, But we need to also keep in mind that in a lot of cases, there could be the cultural context (laughs) Mm -hmm. that is sometimes very difficult to overcome when it comes to a family business. And what do you mean by that? It's a really interesting point. I'd like to expand on that if we can. Right. So by that, I mean this deep sense of obligation Mm -hmm. to the parent or to the family that can be ingrained because of one's culture, for Mm -hmm. example. You know, the fact that perhaps you're you're from a patriarchal society Mm -hmm. where that hierarchy of, you know, the, the child doing what the parent says or doing what is expected of them. Yeah. You know. Sometimes it could be that in a situation like that, the successor really doesn't feel as though he or she has the voice to come out and say, actually, this is not really where my heart is, Mm. you know, or they may have this deep sense of obligation to the family because perhaps they might have seen their, their parents or their close relative work so hard to provide for them that they don't feel as though they can say no. In a, situation, in, in, a, in a scenario like that. But this is exactly the scenario where we would advise that they feel comfortable to, I guess, try their best to communicate what it is that's on their minds because, as you said before, it is possible to find a solution. Mm. But it's not possible to find a solution unless and until everyone at the table is open and transparent. Completely. Yeah. And it's that clarity that we're driving towards. And, and it can seem really intimidating to somebody in the next um, generation to be the first person not to take on the, um, the succession, if you like, to, to be the first one to go, actually, I don't want to do this. Because, as you say, culturally, that can be um, hugely impactful and, and almost yes. as if you're rejecting the family. What do you mean yes. you don't want to do this? Um, mm-hmm. But I think that, um, I don't know whether this matches with your experience, but I think that's falling away a little bit. A lot of the, maybe in Western cultures, it, it's starting <laughs> to, to trickle away, but um, it, it's something that people shouldn't be as intimidated of as, as perhaps they might feel. No, so you're absolutely right. Um, when it comes to the cultural context, we're seeing this falling away somewhat in, in, in Western cultures, unless. It's a family business that's owned by parents who are, happen to be immigrants. Mm. You know, when that when I myself am also an, an immigrant to the United States, when you feel the, I wouldn't say pressures, but the expectations of your home culture, yeah. <laughs> you can still feel that very, very strongly, even though you may no longer be there. Uh-huh. You know, so there is some element of... Um, cultural context that, that we perhaps that we definitely should not overlook mm. when it comes to having these conversations and that hesitation um, when it comes to speaking up yeah I completely agree um, mm-hmm. and then 
looking for another scenario where there is no successor. There's no, so the, the family have gone through the foundation stage and they've had the conversations that need, need to be had and neither, um, I don't know, let's imagine there's two kids, neither of them actually want to <laughs> take the business forward. Mm-hmm. What sort of conversations need to happen at that stage? Because we, we talked about exit as being a, an option for if that's the scenario. But, mm-hmm. but we could also look at whether there is somebody outside the family that could come in and run it and Absolutely. be accountable to the family as owners rather than the, the direct succession. Are they conversations Absolutely. you hear often? Yes, absolutely. And, you know, in some instances, well, I'll I'll come back to that point in in a few, but this is absolutely one of the options that is typically explored when there is no clear successor in place. Mm -hmm. Um, If it is that the family does want to keep the business, we find that oftentimes they look to a third party external person to come in and run that business. Um, but what we have found is that there is sometimes a lot of value in having a third party come in and run the business, even if there is an existing successor present in and working in the business. Okay. And that may seem a little bit strange, but I, I will elaborate a little bit. Mm. We've seen scenarios where this has worked very well. In instances where that external party comes in for a limited amount of time, I don't know, maybe five to 10 years, Mm -hmm. with the express mandate to, yes, run the business, but also, B, serve as the mentor to the upcoming successor. So it's the opportunity to impart knowledge, external knowledge, that the successor may not otherwise have. But Family businesses or family-owned businesses that have been able to really benefit from this have also had the benefit of time and planning. <laughs> mm. And it's a way of bridging the gap, isn't it, between current incumbent and um, the the successor um, generation. Yes. If, if there's a huge gap in terms of um, knowledge and experience, it, it's a great way of, you know, bridging that. Absolutely. And we have also found that it works very well in the event that the, the business needs just a fresh, fresh set of eyes and fresh set of thinking, because sometimes it can be a little bit isolating to work in the family business generation after generation. And some family businesses suffered a little bit because they tend to lose that competitive edge around what's happening in the outside industry. Mm-hmm. You know, so having someone come in who may have had that exposure Having that person come in and and really work in the business and help to see some of those changes or advancements through within the business, that sometimes can be very, very useful in terms of infusing some new blood into the existing um, family business. Mm. Because, again, we hear stories of of, um, NextGen who decide the family business isn't necessarily for them. At that stage in their life, they're not particularly interested in working in and that might, might be something that's a more traditional um, industry and they want to go off and do something um, in their view more exciting but, mm-hmm. but there is this drawback to the business um, and yes. the, the gaining of that experience um, can be really beneficial and, and actually 
not closing the door by saying either you take the business on now or that's it right. um, because you're then restricting your future options um, again can be a way of bridging that gap by bringing somebody else in to, to do that and just keep the ownership within the family absolutely and i was just having this conversation yesterday with with a potential successor and just like he said he said you know i wanted i want to go off and start my own business but you know my father wants me to take over his business mm. and our conversation was around how they both how both objectives might still be met because he had a very very strong pull to come back to the business so one of the options or one of the things that we discussed is, well, how about if you do take on the position, but put your own stamp on it eventually with time, mm -hmm. um, you know, make it into the business that you would be excited to run. Yeah. Not because you're inheriting a business in, in one format means that you need to maintain that format for the entire longevity of your role. It is possible for you to put your um, footprint in the sand, I guess, and 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 change things up a little bit um, when you have the when you're in the position to do so. And he got very very excited about that because he had so many ideas, but he just didn't know whether or not he would have the ability to implement them in in his father's business. Okay, so again, very very important conversation to be having. Absolutely. Fantastic. And this might seem a bit of a strange um, question when I ask it, but I'll put some context behind it afterwards. Is In your view, when having these conversations, it, is the most important element of it the family or the business? Because we're talking about continuity or succession planning for a business, but we yes. are also talking about this very delicate and precious thing, which is a family. And I think oftentimes the, the conversation can be overly focused on one or the other. And I'm just curious as to, to where you think the um, emphasis should lie. Yeah, very, very, very good question, Ross. Well, this is what I would say. Ultimately, the family at any point in time is the custodian of the business, yes. However, I believe that the family is the most important element of the family business um, of the family business and I say that because ultimately most businesses are started to support the family yeah you know so while you can start another business you may not want to for sure but while you could start another business you cannot have another family as much as you may want another one <laughs> at times <laughs> you know so listen at the end of the day you know they say businesses can come and go and i don't want to be flippant about it by any means but really the family unit should be given some priority for mm -hmm. sure and again i think that's where we we sort of come full circle about the the honesty needed at outset is yes. because if if you're not entirely honest, so if you think, okay, I won't say that I'm reluctant to go into this role or I'm reluctant to pass this role on to, to my children, the, the future pain that that can create it within the family system as much as anything um, it is uh, something you would want to, to avoid. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Brilliant. Thank you. Um, 
just in terms of um, uh, uh, if you could disseminate your book down to a single tip <laughs> to to help with this process, it, it is it's obviously one of the most common um, questions I get asked when when talking to family businesses is you know when should we do this? How do we start it? What do we do? Is there a single tip? It's, it's probably a very difficult <laughs> question when it comes to this subject. Um, but yes. It, what would that tip be? I, I, I'll give the tip and I'll give a little bit of an explanation. The tip for, for, for us would be, listen, communication, communication, communication. Uh -huh. Communication can solve a number of issues. So our tip would be don't avoid conversations. Anticipate them prepare for them, and most importantly, have them. Mm -hmm. You know, that's what we would say because our philosophy is that communication sits at the business of the succession pyramid. Mm -hmm. The way we see it is that it's, it's like a pyramid, and at the base of it, it's communication. On top of that, um, on top of that base is preparation, and the very apex of that pyramid sits execution. And this is what we consider to be the three pillars of our succession approach. Mm -hmm. Communication, preparation, execution. Communication sits at the base and it's really the most important. Yeah. Okay, fantastic. And b before we, um, we, we close the show out, I I'm intrigued by um the was it a business psychologist you said you had working within, <laughs> within the team yes absolutely dr donna Witten, um who has had decades of of um experience when it comes to conflict resolution and and managing difficult conversations all across the globe both for executives and and businesses as well and we've definitely worked together to craft not only the material that's in the book but also in our conversation guides that really drill down and get deep into some of these scenarios mm -hmm. um but one of the things that that we do offer along with the book is our assessment survey which is a free diagnostic tool that businesses can use to identify the strength of their succession approach okay across the three pillars of the succession pyramid that I mentioned. Uh -huh. Communication, preparation, execution. Um, and I just got, I, I was going through a, a session, I had a session yesterday where, you know, the young man said, oh my God, the assessment absolutely 100% hit the situation, really? hit the nail on the head. Excellent. You know, he said he was feeling it, but having it in words really helped underscore the fact that they really needed to pay attention to some specific areas. Yeah. So it's very customized um, to, to each person. Um, and that for us, is, it's absolutely huge. So a lot of thought has gone into, a lot of thought in our experience has gone into each of these materials that we have produced. And having the, um, the access to, or having a, a business psychologist on the team as well, um, helps to perhaps identify areas that um, you wouldn't necessarily normally um, spot. If, if again, if yes. Because yes. their experience of, of, of being able to talk and have those conversations means you can get a deeper understanding by that route than uh, say somebody who would, would be talking to you or I for the first <laughs> time. Yes, absolutely. And, and 
with with these conversations, we definitely take a, a very gingered approach um, because, like you said, it's about preserving not only the business but the family relationship as well. Mm-hmm. So what you'll find is that our approach is not just to give advice, especially in the conversation guides where we go deep, but we start off by saying, okay, well, these are the considerations that you need to have both from where you stand and from where the other person stands. Uh You know, this is the approach that you should consider taking. Uh Right. And also if things do not go as planned, this is how you can help salvage things. So we give that perspective both for the owner and the successor in each of the conversation guides. And it also helps because even if I may be the successor and I'm reading through this guide and I'm saying, okay, well, this is what I need to consider. I can also get an idea about what the other party might be feeling and going through. Mm -hmm. And it's that level of empathy that really helps humanize these discussions and helps them come from a place of deep caring and understanding. Yeah, I completely agree. Um, Rochelle, thank you very, very much for your time today. That has been uh, a a very enjoyable interview. Um, And um, I'd like to to finish with one final question, which is how can our audience find out more about you, about the book and about the work you do? Absolutely, Russ. Well, thank you very, very much for having me. Um, Again, the name of our company is Succession Strength. Um, you can visit us via our website, which is www.successionstrength.com. And you can take either, the, either take the free assessment or purchase our book, The Five Critical Succession Conversations, A Comprehensive Guide for the Family Business, through our website. But you can also join the conversation with us. We're on Twitter, LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram. And our book is available via all major booksellers like Amazon, Barnes & Noble, Apple's iBookstore, Google Play, to name a few. (laughs) Fantastic. And what we'll do, if you're happy um, for us to do so, is link that in the show notes. So um, if you do want to find out more and uh, you haven't got a pen to hand to write all that information down, head to the show notes and uh, the information will be there. Absolutely. Thank you very much, Russ. Thank you very much. You have, uh, we're recording this on a Friday, so have a great weekend. And um, I, uh, hopefully you'll, uh, you'll be happy to come back on the show another time. I more than definitely will. Thanks a lot. Thank you. <laughs> That's it for this week. We hope you enjoyed the show. If you'd like to leave us a review, please feel free to do so on iTunes. If you want to get in touch, you can find out more information at www.fambizpodcast.com. We'll see you again soon.